Well, hello everybody. Like Jess Mel said, happy Labor Day weekend. I hope you get a little rest from your labors. Um, we certainly got a lot of rest the past couple weeks. I think a lot of us are taking some vacation, so it's good to be back. I've been gone the last couple weeks. If you're new, uh, I've been out, and I'm still the pastor here, and I'm glad to be. <laughs> so that's what's been going on. But we took a nice little trip, our family, to up to uh, New England, and we had a great time. My wife's family is, uh, lives up there. We got some friends, so got to spend time at... Uh, a very cold beach, uh, very cold water. <laughs> Listen, if you want to go to like nice warm water, go to Miami. It is like way better. Like the northeast, like above anywhere, like above Connecticut, it gets a little chilly. So you can go in, but you come out like about 10 seconds later. So it was nice though, nice beach. I got to hang out by a pool, do some reading, uh, spend time with friends and family. We visited Mystic Seaport, learned about all the oyster fishing that they did back in the days. Uh, so it's a really interesting history. It really is. So I encourage you to check it out. There's a Mystic Seaport Museum. Highly recommend you can walk onto a whaling ship uh, that they actually used to whale and kind of, I mean, it is incredible. I mean, the conditions that people lived under are just, I mean, it's unreal. So check it out yourself. I'm not, this is not a, a lecture about whaling and um, <laughs> anything like that. But I just want to let you know I had a good time. And uh, interestingly enough, this is just so weird. I, I mentioned this to some of you, but on my way back, so I got two weeks of rest. I just did a bunch of nothing. And listen, I, Teresa talked about rest, uh, Sabbath rest last uh, week. I heard last time she spoke, it was two weeks ago, I believe. But the value of rest, I'll, I'll tell you this. So my first day back was this Tuesday, technically coming back to work. And for whatever reason, I was so well rested that on Tuesday morning, I woke up at 3 a.m., and I was ready to get going. So I tried. I was like, no, this is unreal. I need to go back to sleep. So I tried to go. I laid in bed with my eyes wide open, like thinking, I'm going to fall back asleep. I'm going to fall back asleep. I'm going to fall back asleep. 3.30 came. Okay, I'm out of bed. I hit the ground running. So I basically like, put in a 16-hour day by accident just because I was so energized and ready to get back to work and do, do the pastoring thing. So it was a great and then it happened again, but I woke up an hour later on Thursday, and I, I just like, this is unreal. I should go on vacations all the time, because <laughs> like doubles. I just like, you rest a lot, and then you get a lot done. So it worked. So thank you for everyone who covered Teresa. Thank you for covering. In the meantime, it was a wonderful time, but it did take a little work. You know, the thing is that I'm learning. I'm not too great. I have not traditionally been good. One of my weaknesses is being intentional about planning vacations. Uh, that really has been something that I've missed out for many, many years. So now that we're starting to move in that direction, i just seeing the value. Not that I don't like it. I, there's nothing I have against it. It just hasn't been uh, a good discipline for me in some ways. But you have to work to go on vacation. You have to, like, it takes work to put a plan into place to get on the vacation. And I think part of the problem was I'm so, I get so consumed with what I'm doing that it, I'm working on it, in it, that I'm not working on it. And so you have to kind of be very intentional about creating those times of rest and space. So that's kind of a big picture perspective on what we're actually doing uh, with this sermon series as we finish that up today, or actually we'll finish up next week in a, in a way. So let's, um, the, the sermon series, and I will take off the mouse so that's not distracting you, uh, it's called Boot Camp 23. So Boot Camp is basically about training, and 23 is based on Psalm 23, which is really this invitation to rest as we come out. And you have, to, there's, you have to, like a vacation, you have to put in some work and preparation in order to experience the vacation. There's preparation that comes before the vacation. And that was something that I've been learning, but it's true. 
basically in almost any area of our lives. I don't know if you've heard this phrase. Anyone heard the phrase, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Now, I would say that's not something you say to your wife when she forgets her glasses in the car. And it gets pretty annoying. So don't say that kind of thing. But it is generally true about life, right? Whether it's about going on a vacation, whether it's if you want to develop healthy lifestyle of eating well, if you want to be able to be effective at your work or in ministry, whatever it is, planning is an important part of life in general. So that's a general adage that we understand no matter who you are or what religion you might ascribe to, it's a general truism. So uh, as we enter these transition weeks, uh, this, I, I kind of see Labor Day weekend as kind of the transition. Maybe many people mark that as the end of summer, the official end of summer, which is kind of sad. But uh, no, but some people say not really. Technically, it's September 21st, right? But whatever, it's a transition. We're in a transition headed from the summer into a often busy fall that are full of plans. Anyone got plans for the fall? Any plans going on? Yeah, okay, right, I got plans. We all got plans. And it's, it's a very busy time. So we, what we want to do is be intentional about building habits, rhythms of rest, uh, what we've been often uh, referring to as spiritual disciplines or exercises that help train ourselves so that we can find rest in the midst of the busyness. And ultimately, it's not just for this season, but really what we want to do is develop habits that are life-giving and sustaining for the course of our lives that help us stay connected to Jesus so that over the course of our lives, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, that we'll be able to experience the rest and the peace that, uh, that he has for us. You know, oftentimes we we experience these difficulties. You know, you might be going through a relational conflict right now, or, you know, physical, you might have some physical health problems, or there might be a crisis at work, or you're, you're in a waiting period for, for that next thing, whatever that is. But often when we hit these crises in our lives, we experience anxiety and pain, and we, we come into, into a state of fear, and things just can be thrown off. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that can throw off our relationship with God, and we can feel distant from God in those moments. Um, but what the preparation does, the intentional spiritual preparation, helps prepare us for those moments. So Jesus talked about this. Do you remember when Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he got done preaching one of the most incredible sermons, actually probably the best sermon ever preached in the history of mankind, and he comes down from the mountain, or at, he, as he's coming down um, and finishing up his sermon right before he came down, he said, you know, I just, basically, this is a par- Rich's paraphrase, you know, I've said all these things, and I want to tell you about how you can respond to what I just said. He said, there's, there's some people, there's basically two groups of people. One group of people will hear my words and listen to them and put them into practice. They're like people who built their house on a rock, so that when the storms come, the house remains. And then there's another group of people who hear my words and yet don't put them into practice. And they're like those who built the house as well, but they didn't build it on a rock. They built it on sand. And if you think about those two analogies, what's the diff? Why would one build a house on a rock versus the sand? I mean, obviously the rock is better because that's the one that stands. It's because the sand house is a lot easier to build. It doesn't take much effort. It doesn't take really any planning 
whatsoever to build. You can just, you know, st- I, I, I build my little house on the beach, right, in New England. I built my tent. I stick it in. My, my, my little tent goes up. I, my, my chair is under there, and it's great for the day, but even the wind knocks that over. Um, or if you, your wind knocks your spouse's one over, and then you say, well, if you fail to plan, then you're planning to fail. <laughs> there might be a little bit too much truth now. I've got to move on before I... Uh, experience a little... Uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, the idea is that planning, spiritual planning is actually part of what Jesus did and what he talked about as he gave his teaching. There is a way that we can plan and orient our lives intentionally that prepare us to be able to sustain our spiritual life and a walk with God and a proximity to God, even in the midst of trial and tribulation and, and suffering, no matter what we experience. You know, the idea of having a soul training plan, as you might put it, it's not something new. Um, In fact, Jesus himself followed a regular pattern of worship, of work, of rest, of prayer. You can see that the pattern of Jesus. The apostles themselves, after Jesus rose again from the dead, they followed regular periods and times of prayer throughout throughout their day in community with the rest of the Jewish community. So you, we can see that pattern again and again and, and again. And there, in fact, in early in the second century, there was a document that was created that, called the Didache, which was a spiritual training plan that the early disciples, the apostles, put together at the time for the community as an intentional plan for spiritual development and growth. It involved some other things like definitions and how to understand baptism, different sacraments, but it basically was this, this plan. And all throughout history... Uh, believers have put into place ways of helping the people of God grow in their relationships. So St. Augustine in the 5th century, he wrote a training plan. Um, Benedict, this following century, uh, his rule of life, as he called it, was, is probably one of the most popular. And many church movements throughout, throughout history have used a spiritual training plan. One of my favorites, I recently finished a book called Heroic Leadership, Loyola and the Jesuits which led a 500-year, basically, one of the most successful missional campaigns in the history of the world, uh, he had a, a series of spiritual exercises that many people, even to this day, still practice, which help equip and train them for the vigors of suffering and ministry that, that they're going to face. And so this idea of spiritual training and putting a plan in place is not something new at all, And we see that throughout the history. And so there is much wisdom for us as well. So if you would like to develop what I would call a rock-solid relationship with God, it might then be wise to consider putting a plan into place to help you do so. So that when those times of difficulty come, your your house will stand on the rock and and stand firm. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a spiritual training plan in place. You don't have to answer out loud. I just want to get you thinking. These are thoughts to provoke. Do you have a spiritual training plan in place? And if so, let me be more a little specific about it. Does your spiritual training plan keep in mind the very specific ways that God is inviting you into transformation and into growth? How intentional have you been? And in fact, if our relationship with God is the most important part of our lives, and we make plans for all everything else we do in our lives, wouldn't making a plan for growing in our relationship with God seem to be probably the most important kind of plan that we can make? So with that said, what we're going to do, I'm going to take a moment to pray, 
And what I want to accomplish today is basically two things. One, just to provide some basic biblical, some real biblical wisdom around this idea of planning, just to kind of uh, give us a fuller picture and kind of give us a, a deeper why of why we would do this. But then secondly, it is probably going to be one of the most practical kind of messages you can hear today. I'm going to give you a jump start to help you start your plan right here. And so you can carry it through uh, the fall and take, take something home that I think would be helpful for each and every one of us as it has been for me. Okay? Let's, let's pray. So, Lord, thank you for your, um, your grace as we sang about, your, your goodness, your love in our lives. Um, we thank you for the seasons of life that sometimes it feels like we're dying, but then there's also always the resurrection. And we pray, God, that if there's people here who are a sense of maybe there's a dying or a giving away in the transition to the fall or just generally in their lives, that, that your joy and your resurrection life would come and fill them. Fill us, God. We need you. We pray for those feeling overcome by anxiety, that your peace would rest upon us now, rest upon them. And God, we pray that you would, as we look at your word, that you would shift our perspective, change our way of thinking so that we can become more like you. And then we can put a, a plan into place that would align with yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, so why should we make plans, okay? You know, there's, there's, the, there's the planning people. There's actually personality types that say there are more people who are more planned and structured, but then there's kind of the more go-with-the-flow people. All right, so uh, just a just curious, let's do a little survey. Okay, so if you're familiar with Myers-Briggs, but I'll, I'll break it down, make it a little easier. It's a personality type. There's those two, like um, J, S, like all those things. So I'm not going to use that vocabulary, but just let you know there's actual scientific research behind this kind of thing. There's the go-with-the-flow people and the more structured, got to have to know everything. So think of it this way. If you're going to go on vacation, do you want to just like figure it out as you go, or do you want to have every little detail figured out before you go on vacation. Okay, so how many people here are the go with the flow? I'm going to just enjoy the time as I get there. Okay, all right. How many people? I'm going to have a good plan in place so it makes sure it's good. Okay, about vacation. It's not that. It's just a general. You don't have to get into all the details, all that, Teresa. Okay, so about half and half. All right, that's cool. So there's nothing wrong with going with the flow. Jesus went with the flow all the time, right? So he, he, he was fully both. So one's not bad or the other. We tend to orient ourselves in one way or, or, or the other. However, there's both. There's value in both and wisdom in both. But the one point I want to uh, just emphasize here is the why behind what we do is always rooted in our theology, is that we worship a God who is a master planner. So God himself is the greatest planner, the greatest creative uh, genius in terms of planning that ever existed because he planned everything uh, that, we, that exists now into place in some ways. And so by planning, we are actually imitating God in his creative genius. And we are, as people created in the image of God, we express his creativity and his, his life by planning. Uh, and so I'm gonna, here, I'm going to show you a, a scripture. So Ephesians um, chapter 1, as we look at creating in the context of creating a spiritual training plan, says this, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Okay, now I read that really fast because I liked it and I've, I've really meditated on this a lot. So let's slow it down a little bit. Let's read this one together, okay? So together and I'm going to slow down and all. You can just 
follow the cadence there. Okay. Ephesians 1.1. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So God had a plan in the beginning. He, and he, guess what his plan included? Everything. That seems to me pretty comprehensive. So he planned, he planned the cosmos. He planned space-time. He, he planned every molecule, every cheesesteak, every detail, including me and you. Whatever it might be, his plan is, includes every single thing that has ever been created, ever thought of in all of history. And the exciting part is that we are included in that plan. And that's really the thrust of the book of Ephesians, that God has a master plan. And guess what? We're invited into the plan. And God has a plan for each and every individual and every person. And God makes plans. Not only does he make them, but he makes them for our good. Maybe you've heard this uh, famous uh, scripture that's often, it's often pulled out of context. However, and I'm going to do the same thing, but (laughs) I'm going to put it, within the larger systematic context of God planning. So actually I'm putting it back into biblical context while taking it, the point being uh, it, God is the one who plans. Okay, so Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's read this one together. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Okay, so... Just I'll give you a little bit of context. God's people were exiled. They were taken into captivity. And God had placed them in this, even though it wasn't his original plan to have them taken captive. He says, okay, well, now that you're here, my plan is for, to prosper you as God's people. And I am going to give you what you need right where you are. And so God had an original plan. People ruined it. And God adjusted. So God went with the flow and made new plans to help them. And he does the same. He does the same for us. And the idea here, the the biblical principle that we can kind of uh, learn from this is that God's plans are good, that he plans for our good. And because he plans for our good, even in difficult circumstances, we can trust him and the plans that he has for each of our lives. And he is a master, a spiritual master at that. Just think about that. Just think about having the job of taking anything that was bad and trying, trying to work it out for the eventual good of his glory and for, for your own good. I mean, that seems to be like the most impossible thing you could actually do in anything. But God somehow in his master plan masterfully works together all the details, all of the sins and mistakes and all the, all the things, good and bad, and works them together in his master plan uh, just in a way that is beyond our understanding. To me, that's certainly mind-boggling. So talking about getting back to the spiritual training plan. It would make sense then that our spiritual training plan and any plans that we make, it would be wise for us to align them with God's plans, which are good for us. And it would also be helpful. So we did a sermon, we went through a sermon series a few months ago or a month or so ago, however long it's been, um, that talked about the invitation to transformation. And so a wise spiritual training plan takes into consideration the specific ways that God is inviting us to be transformed and to grow. So God has his general will for every single person, and it's universal. But then there are specific ways that God is inviting each of us to grow. And so we want to take into consideration what are the specific ways that I need to grow, that God is calling me to grow. And what that does is it it requires uh, 
an attentive attitude to what God's doing in your life. And something that you, you may be very aware of is self-awareness. An awareness of what, particularly what God is doing. So it requires a God-awareness and a self-awareness. And as we bring those two, you can craft a plan that helps you maximize your growth and to really participate in God's plans. Jesus said this. When he taught the disciples to play, to pray, he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, or in the heavens is how it's actually translated. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What is, your, what is his will? His will is an expression of his plan. You could actually pray, may your plans be done, and you would be saying the same things that Jesus was actually saying. Well, it's not the same exact word, it is the same sentiment and thought. So what we're doing is praying that God's plans, that God's will would be done in each of our lives. And the thing is, we can... Here's where free choice comes in. We can choose against God's plan. It's very clear, and that's what sin is, right? It's a choice or a reaction or a response or a behavior or a thought or an attitude that goes against what God had planned for you or for that person or for our society in a moment. And so we have to keep that in consideration as well, that a spiritual training plan needs to take those things into consideration, particularly in our life. So let me give you an example. So if I have a problem with often being overly focused on work and working so hard that you know I'm, I'm ignoring the people around me and I'm becoming an unhealthy person and I'm becoming obsessed with just getting things done and my relationship with God is starting to deteriorate, disintegrate, then what I need to do is understand, know that about myself. And then as part of my intentional spiritual training plan put into practices like Teresa spoke about a couple weeks ago, like Sabbath rest or solitude and silence or uh, different things like um, taking a retreat or waiting. Those are the practices that would help counterbalance and help train my soul in a way that God is inviting me into. And these disciplines really counteract the inclination that I, I have to live in the tyranny of the urgent. And I think it's not just me, it's many of us, which is why the emphasis of this particular sermon series is emphasized in the rest way. Uh, and in fact, why I believe God called us to plant this church was to help people who live under this demand and this, this work mentality that whether we can admit it or not, we all suffer from. And so understanding that and understanding the specific uh, practices or disciplines or exercises that we can do need to be part of our plan that we're going to make. And since we all struggle with sin, um, here's the problem. It's easy to make plans that, in fact, are against what God wants because we can plan things that are completely outside of what he wants us to do. Oh, let's look at this. Psalm 64.5, uh, the, the psalmist is lamenting uh, of his... Uh, his perspective on how evildoers are behaving and the impact that it's having on, on himself. And this is what he says. He says that they encourage each other with evil plans. And they talk about hiding their snares. And they say, who, who will see it? And so there's this mentality of planning evil. So you can be an actually a brilliant planner, but you can plan evil things, right? Like, you remember when you were like, eight years old, and you, like, set the trap for your brother or sister, like, coming out of, like, the towel, and then that, my favorite was the bucket on top of the, the door with the water, so when they open the door, the bucket falls on their head. I'm sure you have your own things. You know, my kids are pretty good at planning these little evil, mysterious, 
Excellent. Yeah, so, but we can make these plans that are apart from what God wants. And so he's saying, like, hey, these are evil plans. And so all that's to say, planning in and of itself is wisdom, but it's not righteousness. You can make plans apart from God's will. And so our approach to planning needs to be firstly aligned with the plans that God has, and that's seen in the person of Jesus. And so when we make our plans, we would be wise to align what we plan in our lives and what we plan to do with each of us in our spiritual training with the way that Jesus modeled for us and that he's teaching to us specifically as well in our moment-to-moment basis. So you might, you might see some training plans out here, like out there. There's lots of ways you can train yourself spiritually. And in fact, each and every one of us are being formed spiritually, whether you know it or not. The things that you watch, the things that you do, the people you hang around with, the books that you read, the podcasts that you're giving influence in your life, all of those things are shaping the way that you think and you act. We, you might not realize it. And there's, lot, there's lots to choose from. I mean, you shouldn't just go and do, like, conform to some spiritual train just because you read it or saw it on the internet. There's lots on the internet that's, that's, that are helpful, that are things that are helpful, there are things that are unhelpful, and things that are just practically plain evil. There are things that might seem to be good, but in fact, if you dig a little bit deeper, they may not be. There's certainly many religions that you could prescribe to, there's many practices, but you have to have discernment. And the, one of the clearest ways to do that is to ask yourself this question. Does this teaching or does this spiritual influence align with Jesus himself and his teaching? Uh, that is probably the most important way to discern and filter whether something is of good value or of good or of God's nature or it is not. Does Jesus do this? Would, Jesus, would you see Jesus doing this? Is Jesus teaching? Is, is Jesus modeling? Is this in the direction in which Jesus is going? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means to say no to everything that is not of Jesus and say yes to everything that is. And so our plans need to be consistent, or if you want to be. And otherwise, uh, you can get into what might, you might call syncretism. And syncretism is where the people of God start to sync they sink their lives, their think- it starts in your thinking with what the world is thinking. And just be warned, we live in a technological age where we are inundated with a lot of information. And so if, be aware that everything that you do, that you read on the internet, the, things, the time you spend scrolling is programming your mind to think in a certain way. And there are algorithms that are purposefully built to help you think in a way that works to the advantage of whoever built it, okay? So it is becoming more and more important that we remember who we serve, who we worship, why we worship him, and then to align our lives and plan our lives in a way that helps us think and act in accordance with God's plans and will. Amen? Amen. So we can get into more of that, and we will. There's, we're coming up on a new... Um, Actually, we're going to go a little bit deeper into that area that I just mentioned of kind of understanding the culture and the direction and God, the spiritual dynamics behind that. We're going to, our next sermon series is coming up in a few weeks. is called The Mystery of Revelation. So we're going to actually look into the book of Revelation, which is really exciting. I've always wanted to do it. It's only taken me nine years to get ready to, 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 to study for. But we're going to look at that. And so I would just the point being is when you talk about spiritual practices, my um, perspective on this is to stick with the basics 
and do the fundamentals, the things that Jesus taught. Actually, the, to do the root kind of disciplines and root practices. So, in fact, the word being radical, the, that means being root, rooted. Like, that's the root. Like, a, in math, you know, the root, the radical, the root. That being rooted in what Jesus practiced and did is basically doing the fundamentals. Any good football team, what do, they, what do the coaches always preach about? Doing the fundamentals. If you can do the fundamentals right, you'll have a successful team. And so I would encourage us, and this is the way I model my pattern of life, after just doing the basics and doing them well. All right, the final thing about planning, and then we'll get ready to actually start with our plan. Uh, I want to read a, a piece of proverbial wisdom that I think would be helpful. Proverbs 15:22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So when you make your plans, I would highly encourage you not to just do it in a silo, like in your own little cocoon by yourself without any input, like I'm just going to make this up. Well, the best way to do it, the wise thing to do, is if you're seeking counsel on something that's really this important, and this is kind of like top priority in our lives, God making us more like Jesus, transforming us into the likeness of Christ, that you would have people who are trusted and really qualified to help and love you to help give you input in a way that would help create a plan. Remember, transformation happens as we change our thinking and as we you know, invite, have these new practices. But there's a third component, and that's having a community around you, an encouraging community that can help you grow in your relationship with God, which is one of the reasons we have small groups, because they help one another. We help one another shape our thinking. So I would encourage you to get input. And uh, in fact, I would give you as an exercise, um, give, if you're a small group leader, you, in a few weeks, so our small groups are starting up, those announcements are coming, but in a few weeks, kind of the third week of September, as a small group, this would be great to kind of bring this as one of the first meetings and say, hey, how are you doing on that training plan? Let's look at it together and give each other feedback and pray through it. I think that could be one of the most helpful practices. So I'm going to give you a resource that you can do that, um, and then more information about small groups will be coming out uh, next week. But another great way uh, is by reading books by people, the our fathers, uh, church fathers and mothers who have come before us have been training for thousands of years and we have a lot of wisdom to gain from brothers and sisters who, are, who have passed away but have kept their wisdom in the form of writing in books. So I would encourage you to do some reading as well. I mean, there's so much out there. I, there's four books that I would highly recommend that have been deeply instrumental in my life in shaping the practices and the training. They go a lot more in depth than we have time for. Um, and that list I've given to you on the paper that I'm about to hand out to each and every one of you soon. Okay, so we're going to give that to you in a moment. But before you do that, I want to just give you a little summary. Okay, so here's the idea. God's a master planner. God plans for our good. So it would be wise to make a spiritual training plan that it really aligns with his specific will. And, of course, under the encouragement and direction of those who are equipped to, and, and love us to do so. So if it would, it would seem, again, let me emphasize the point, it would seem to me that if our relationship with God is the most important, in fact, the greatest command is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and mind. And if that is our greatest command, and the second is like it, you know, to love your neighbor as yourself, that making plans, if we're going to make plans for our life, whatever plans, that God would be the first and foremost, the top at our list of how we make our plans. And so I want to help equip you and give you an opportunity to start that right now. Okay, so what we're going to do is take a few minutes to do that. 
to really make a plan to make God's plans your plans. Do you remember one thing for today? That's the idea, is that I want to encourage you to make a plan to make God's plans your plans. And you can do that in a very practical way by actually crafting a plan. Okay, so we're going to take some time now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you like five minutes to start it. Okay, if it's something this important, you're not going to be able to really uh, take a lot of time to, to, um, to you're not going to have probably enough time to do it in the time we have now. Because I want to give you something to get started on it so then you can complete it uh, in your own time. But uh, by your uh, desk, sorry, by your, uh, <laughs> I'm going to teacher mode. Like, could you please take out your book and open to the chapter about polynomial equations. No, uh, there's papers by your white table, maybe. Everyone should be able to access them. Uh, and if you need one, you can raise your hand. There's even four in the back there. Does anyone need an extra one? Oh, this whole area needs some? Is that, <laughs> there's that right there. Is there a white table there somewhere? You used them all. Does anyone have extras? Get the extras to the, the well. There's another. <laughs> Jess, can you help uh, maybe distribute, or Claudia, I think. Extra, if you need extra, raise your hand. Um, there's some more coming across. I tried to evenly distribute them, but people didn't sit down evenly, and that's okay. <laughs> you didn't plan your seating. You've, <laughs> you failed the plan, and so I plan to fail. Remember that, honey? All right, so. <laughs> I know, I'm digging myself. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so let me explain this, and I actually have a couple more copies. Anyone else need a copy? I have a couple more. Everyone got one? Okay, you're good? Okay, so here's the plan. Um, so you have here, so if the basic, the blank page, is the space for you to write in, okay? And what I broke it down into is just basic uh, frequencies in your life. So there's ways, to, the way, one of the ways to think about creating a plan is what do you do every day? So things that you do every day. And that can mean just like, when I say daily, and one of my spiritual directors was wise in this, you could be like four or five times a week. That's what I mean, like daily. It doesn't have to be every single day, but something you want to do on a regular basis four to five times a week at least. Something you could do every single day as well. So that would include, and then obviously weekly is something you would do once a week, monthly, once a month, so on and so forth, okay, once a quarter. So those are the intervals. Now, if you turn to the back, I just have some kind of little reminders of things we've learned in there, but I want to focus, so at the bottom, you'll see the books there, the book recommendations. So if you'd like to further study this, I'm also... <laughs> I also, uh, thanks to my, the wisdom of my wife and her wise planning, um, she, she helped me recognize. So I started writing a, like a one-paragraph detailed description of 36 different spiritual practices, and I got about like 10 through, at, like three hours later. And she's like, maybe you want, like, don't want to, do, like, you can work on that later. And so I was like, that sounds like a good plan. So I don't have the definitions for you, but I'm actually in the process of writing a class that we can take regularly, offer once a year or so, for people who want to really learn and go in depth about each of these practices. But for now, you'll see some, just the list, the word. Some of you will know all of them, some, or most of them. Some of them you might be confused. I don't know what that is. That's okay. What I want you to do is start with what you do know. Okay, so I encourage you. So these are all different practices. And in fact, over the past couple years, or not a couple years, over the past nine years, I've, I don't know if you know, but as I suggest practical ways to put into practice what God is saying, 
one of the things I'll often do is suggest a spiritual training exercise that will help move you in that direction. And so over the course of these years, and even recently, we've been helping equip and kind of point you in the right direction. So these are some of the things, just some. And now this is not a comprehensive list. In fact, you can mix and match these. You can make up your own spiritual exercises. It's kind of like, kind of like CrossFit, like the image here. You can mix and match them in any different way and, and be completely creative in how you do it. But this is a great starting point. Okay, so this will give you some of the basics in order to help you get started. So the idea is use this as a prompt to help you then think about your day and your week and your month, basically your life, this rep kind of represents your life, and ways that you can be intentional. Now, the one other thing I want to point your detail to is at the top, there's the spiritual growth goals. Now, that's the idea. Basically, the reason I put that there is to be uh, cognizant and aware of how God is inviting you to grow. Okay, so there's general things we should all do, right? We should all become more loving people. We should all at least in theory, according to Jesus, what he says, we should all desire to know God more deeply, right? Those are all good, and that, you can put those there, but the more specific you are with your goal and with your spiritual call in your life, the more specific your training can be. And so this will help align. So if you're wondering, how do I align my training this week or this year? Well, think about what is God doing in me? So for, for example... Um, you know, me taking time to practice contemplative prayer, which is an inactive, receiving God's love kind of prayer, in the middle of my day at 2 o'clock, which is on my calendar and something I, is in my daily routine, that's because I realize I get so focused on work, I forget God halfway through the day. So then I try to reorient myself. So that's my issue. You take your issues and consider what are some practices that might help you focus on God or help you find rest in God's presence in your circumstances, okay? So that is the basic idea, and um, hopefully it becomes a pattern of life for you, a rhythm that helps you engage with God on a regular basis. And as you do this, again, day in and day out, week in and week out, month after month, year after year, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes. We create space for God, and He fills that space. He's faithful. And he is the one that does the transformation. What we do is to create a structure for God to come and fill. And we, we create space and say, God, would you come? And God is faithful to come in and of themselves. And remember, when it comes to spiritual disciplines, I think the best way to put it, as Dallas Willard said, that the disciplines in and of themselves, they're not, they're not righteousness, but they are wisdom. It is wise. And God will bring about the righteousness and transformation that we all need. So, in a moment, we're going to take communion. But before we do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you just like five minutes or so. Do we have any background music that we can play? Are we set up for that? So our sound team is just going to, we're going to do, I'll give six minutes. I'm going to go to 1145. Um, and now it's like five minutes and 42 seconds. All right, five minutes now. Sorry, I'm wasting your time. Uh, we're going to give you five minutes, and I want you to get started. Just start something, okay? Don't try to complete it. But just put on there, and what I encourage you to start, start with what you already do, okay? So put down, like if you read the Bible every day, put in there, that's part of your plan because that's what you're doing, okay? If you pray at what time, just put that down, start with what you do, and then hopefully you can develop some other exercises based on what we've been learning and kind of some of the thoughts that might be sparking in you uh, based on this. So add, you might want to add some few things as well. So take five minutes. We'll have some music playing. And then I'll bring us back together again. 
and then we'll, we'll conclude our, our worship time. Hopefully you're able to, to make some progress there and I encourage you just to take it home prayerfully, you know, take some time, maybe some time to be quiet, get away, maybe practice one, one, like a retreat or, uh, you know, a couple hours to be alone and um, while it's still nice outside, sit on a log, you know, by, by a sunset, prayer, whatever you would like to do in your time with God. But as we enter communion here, we're going to take some time um, and as we enter this time, I uh, encourage you, if you'd like to participate in communion, we have the, um, the elements there uh, at the white table. So you can get, get one of those and, and prepare yourself as we, we engage.